morning. I invite you to stand as we sing this morning. And good morning to all those who are watching from home. Let's sing together. Angels from the realms of glory, wing your flight o'er all the earth. He who sang creation story, now proclaim the Messiah's birth. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ the newborn King. in the field abiding, watching o'er your flocks by night. God with man is now residing, yonder shines the infant light. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ the newborn King.
no one. Love is never boastful or conceited, rude or selfish. Love is not quick to take offense. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not gloat over other people's troubles, but rejoices in the right, the good, and the true. There is nothing that love cannot face. There is no limit to its faith, to its hope, and to its endurance. Love never fails. We light this candle today to remind us of how God's perfect love is found in Jesus. Sons of earth born to give. 
Good morning. Merry Christmas. Before you're seated, why don't you just wave to someone and uh, say Merry Christmas with your eyes. You can say it with your mouth, but they may not hear you. But uh, anyway, and then you can be seated. Thank you. I want to welcome all of those of you who are here in this place this morning. And those of you who may be watching from elsewhere, we're glad that you're part of our service today. And there's just a few announcements that uh, we need to make this morning. As uh, many of you are aware, um, there has been a significant uh, increase in the number of positive cases of uh, COVID infections in the past little while. Uh, as of this morning, today's totals were over 4,000. And uh, in light of that, of course, there are some changes that have been, uh, that have been announced, and uh, most of those uh, do not directly affect us as a church, although some of them do, because uh, churches, the social guidelines for churches are the same as personal guidelines for socials in your home. And so when the number of people that can be in a social gathering is decreased across the, you know, for our homes, it also affects us here at the church. So just a, just a couple of things that I want to remind you of. We are, we have scheduled uh, Christmas Eve for our Christmas uh, uh, carols by candlelight. And uh, our registration for that night is the largest registration of people who have been in our building in 21 months. Uh, there are scheduled to be 190 people, which is more than two times what's in the building this morning. And with the rising number of cases, as a staff this week, we met and discussed um, that and uh, we're concerned about the safety implications of that. And uh, so what we have decided to do is that we are canceling our Christmas Eve carols by candlelight and we will not be holding an in-person Christmas Eve service, but we will be providing an online Christmas Eve service uh, in replacement of that. And we just feel that the risk and the safety concerns are too high at this time. and. Um, so we'll see. I know some other churches in town are doing that. Some others are not. And of course, one thing you do know about me, I hope, is that uh, our decisions of what we do here is not based on what others are doing. 
we're, we're going to make the decisions what we feel is best for you in this context, in our building, in our situation. And that's the decision that we've made uh, in the best interest, I believe, of all of us. So just to let you know that. Uh, a reminder that our December 26th service was always scheduled to be online only, and that is still the case. And so today, uh, at the end of the service, that since this is the final Sunday prior to Christmas, uh, we would like to invite you to, um, if you place point, a, a poinsettia or multiple poinsettias in the church for the Christmas season, if you'd like to take your poinsettias today with you when you go, at the end of the service, I'll make an announcement for that, and then you can just come get your poinsettia or poinsettias, and then you can exit. Unfortunately, we're not going to be allowing the indoor uh, visiting today uh, in light of circumstances. And of course, we can't do the indoor outdoor visiting either because the maximum is 25 people. So we can't have 100 people on the parking lot visiting uh, in a social gathering. That would be problematic. So we're not going to do the inside um, visiting today. I'm sorry about that. Uh, we, did, uh, we did prepare hot chocolate and cookies for you, and those are still available, and we'll just have to do like we did last year, and that's uh, just sort of do like a drive-through thing and drop, give that to you as you're, as you're leaving, because unfortunately we're, we're not able to stand around on the parking lot and share that together uh, this year. So just, just keep that in mind, and I know parents, you're really excited right now because there's nothing better than when all of your kids are handed hot chocolates inside the car, and it'll keep you busy over Christmas trying to clean that up, I know, so... Our apologies, our apologies in advance for that. Just in terms of offering, today has been announced as our final in-person collection of offerings. Uh, the office is closing on Thursday for Christmas, so if you drop it off prior to Wednesday, we can include it in the count for, uh, for 2021. Otherwise, you can give through e-transfer e right up until December 31st. So uh, thank you for that, and I believe that's all of that. Before we announce the, uh, dis we send the kids out for their kids' ministry this morning, they have created a Christmas video for us, and so we're going to enjoy that, and then once that's over, then I'm going to uh, send the kids and their workers off for their uh, Christmas event this morning, so... Okay, okay, settle down, dearies. I have a special story for you today. It's the Christmas story. Are you comfy and ready? Yes! And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed, and all went to be taxed, every one into his own city, Joseph and his fiancée Mary, they traveled to Bethlehem. Mary was pregnant with God's son, Jesus. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a kitchen pot. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling baby clothes and laid him in a manger. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock of puppets. Shepherds watch their flocks by night, all seated on... 
Thank you, kids, and kid at heart, forever, I hope. My favorite part was the sheep wearing a mask. You don't get to see that every day. Kids, if you could quietly move around the side, out with your leaders, leaders as well. Enjoy your Christmas celebrations this morning. Handing it back to you. Thank you, Tyler. I invite you to stand again as we continue to worship this morning. When I call on your name, you answer. When I fall, you are there by my side. You delivered me out of darkness. Now I stand in the hope of new 
Surely my God is the strength of my soul. 
Your love defends me. Your love defends me. And when I feel like I'm all alone, Your love defends me. Your love defends me. Surely my God is the strength of my soul. Your love defends me. Your love defends me. And when I feel like I'm all alone, Your love defends me. Your love defends me. And we sing. scripture reading this morning is found in Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to be reading verses 1 to 5 and 8 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. And so he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you, worship team, for leading us this morning. Today is the fourth 
Sunday and final Sunday of Advent. And over the past few weeks, we've focused on the themes of hope, peace, and joy. Each week, what we've done is we've focused on the experiences of individuals in the Bible who were a part of the first advent of Jesus. So in week one, it was hope, and we focused on Mary and the angel's announcement that the long-awaited hope of Israel, the Messiah, would be born to her as a result of a miracle of the Holy Spirit. In week two, it was peace, and we focused on Joseph and his struggle to respond to the news that his fiance Mary, was pregnant. Specifically, we looked at the peace that he found when the angel informed him that Mary was telling the truth. In week three, it was joy, and we focused on the shepherds and the joy that they experienced when the darkness of the hillside was suddenly illuminated with the news that Jesus was indeed born. So today, we're looking at love, and we'll be focusing on the Magi and their quest to find the King of the Jews. Now, I must admit to you today, when I look at all of these different stories and parts of this overwhelming story of the first advent, I I love all of these different parts that make up this overall account. But the story of the Magi is one of my favorite parts. For me, it's one of my favorite parts. And it is one of my favorite parts for this reason. It demonstrates the incredible grace and love of God to outsiders, including these unlikely and undeserving characters and their inclusion in this incredible story that we read. And so we'll be reminded today That the love and grace of God is so inclusive that those who are deemed to be unworthy recipients are embraced and invited into God's story. Our focus today will be on three journeys. I know it sort of sounds like the, uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but it will focus on three journeys. One is an unexpected journey. One is an intentional journey. And then the third is the gifts that supported a second unexpected journey. And so we'll quickly move through these this morning. So we'll start today with an unexpected journey. As we've highlighted previously, you know, in our series, Israel was under the rule of the Roman Empire at the time of Jesus' birth. And so the Romans needed money to maintain the strength and power of their empire. And there were two means of income for the Roman Empire. There was, they could plunder or they could bring in taxation. And so in order to ensure a thorough taxing of all people, a census was required. And in order for the census to be completed, each male had to return to the place of their birth. And so Joseph, although he was living in Nazareth, was from Bethlehem in Judea, over 100 kilometers away. And so this was not a good time for them. This was not a good time for Mary and Joseph because, well, Mary was very pregnant. And so, you know, but they they didn't have a choice. They, They had to go. They were compelled to go. And so they had to embark on a journey 
that they were not expecting or wanting to make. They set out for Bethlehem, and the journey to Bethlehem, under normal circumstances, would be a four-day walk on average. But because of Mary's pregnancy, it was likely it would take her, them about a week for them to get there. Despite our depictions of the Christmas story and all the wonderful little sub-stories that we bring into it, there actually isn't any mention in Scripture that they, she traveled by donkey. <laughs> um, there, there's no indication of that. Most likely they traveled on foot. Can you imagine how difficult that would have been for Mary, who was in the later stages of pregnancy, to walk that distance for that long? Now, even though Bethlehem was Joseph's hometown, there's no mention here in the account of any family members being present. The fact that they would try and seek lodging at an inn or a guest house suggests that there, there aren't any members of their family living in Bethlehem that they could, they could stay with. So Joseph and Mary were not only the only ones who were traveling at this time either, and so they converged on this little town at the time of many other people who converged there as well. The town would have swelled with visitors that were doing the exact same thing that they were doing. And so lodging was limited, we're told. Again, Scripture does not mention an innkeeper or that he feels bad that there's no room and he puts them in his stable. That's, that's our addition over the years. Peasant homes during this time typically had two levels to them. There was a ground level where if they owned animals, they would keep their animals. And in the upper level is where the family lived. It's much like today when our teenage children live in our basements. It's kind of like a stable down there, and then the, the real living zone is, is, is up top. I don't know if anybody can identify with that. And so when there was a need for extra space in these homes, because they usually weren't large homes, guests or family members would actually sleep in the lower levels where the animals were kept. It was a common occurrence. Now, Jews were expected to open their doors to fellow traveling Jews, even if they didn't know them as a part of the hospitality that the Old Testament law required of them. So it was likely that Joseph and Mary were recipients of the generosity of strangers who allowed them to stay in the lower level of their home. And we're told that while they were there, Jesus was born. There is no indication of family being around. There is no indication of friends that have come alongside to support. They're alone. They're on their own on this unexpected journey. Secondly, we see an intentional journey. Only Matthew in his gospel includes the Magi's participation in the first advent. Magi from the east come and seek him of Persian nationality. They're an interesting group, these magi. They're scholars and scientists, yet they're involved in astrology and magic and sorcery, a very interesting combination of interests and, and focus. They believe that people were born under the stars, and so if it's a spectacular star, meant the birth of a spectacular person. These magi were determined to find out who this person was. A star was moving eastward, and so they packed their belongings and their supplies and their gifts. They took their animals and their servants, and they would have created a caravan to, to find this person 
that, that was, had become so important to them. They studied prophecy. They studied the scriptures. They interviewed people. They came to the conclusion that the star meant that, that this was the birth of the Jewish Messiah, the king of the Jews. And so they were obsessed by their quest, and it became their passion, and, and it became something that months passed into their journey as they were seeking out to find this child. We're told that the star led them to Jerusalem, and then it disappeared. They expected to find the king there because, well, Jerusalem was the nation's capital. And since the star led them there and then disappeared, then, then this was most likely the location. We're told that the presence of the Magi stirred the whole city. Herod heard the purpose of their visit, and, and he's troubled by it. They were seeking the king of the Jews. And he, Herod, well, he's the king of the Jews. So why are they seeking the king of the Jews? I, I'm the king of the Jews. And so Herod, being that person that he was, is now threatened, feels threatened in his, in his ruling and in his leadership because of this other king of the Jews. And so to gather more information, he called on the Jewish religious leaders and asked them about this whole king of the Jews thing, and they told him about the prophecies, and they confirmed his worst fears. Herod was crafty, and so we're told he called a private meeting with the Magi, and he encouraged them, you go, you find the king, and when you find him, let me know right away, because I too want to come and worship him just like you. We're told the star then reappeared and they followed it to Bethlehem where it stopped and they found Jesus living in a house there. It's interesting, I think, as I consider this story, that in the Jewish law, the penalty for astrology and sorcery and the kinds of things that these men were involved in and, and were interested in in the Jewish law, these were punishable by death. They were punishable by death. How ironic it was that God invited these foreign astrologers into his story of redemption because they were drawn to the wonder of God. While in comparison in these scriptures, the king himself and especially the religious leaders that this has been a hope and a longing in their culture for so long, they're left out. They're not a part of it at all. The Magi's intentional journey. Thirdly and finally was the provision for the journey. The Magi entered the house with great excitement, and these wealthy, prestigious, you know, respected men bowed to Jesus the King. And they presented him with gold and frankincense and myrrh. Again, the Bible doesn't say there were three wise men. There were three gifts that are mentioned. And so we often, uh, in our folklore, just attach three to that. And there's actually stories about different characters who were these, these magi. These were royal gifts. That's the point that are commonly given to kings. We're told that God warned the magi in a dream not to return to Jerusalem and to Herod. So the Magi, we're told, took an alternate route home to avoid coming into contact with Herod as God had asked them. When Herod discovered that he had been outwitted by these Magi, he became very, very angry. 
And he responded by having all male children under the age of two in the Bethlehem area murdered in an attempt to destroy Jesus. The angel of the Lord once again appeared to Joseph, telling him to take Mary and Jesus and flee to Egypt to avoid this ruthless and paranoid leader. They had very few resources because they were peasants. They were poor. They're only visiting Bethlehem for a short time, so they wouldn't have brought everything with them. Have you ever wondered how they may have survived during their time in Egypt? There was likely no family there to help them. There, was likely, there were likely no Jews there that would extend the Old Testament laws of hospitality and feel obligated to take them in. Most biblical scholars believe that they likely lived off of the proceeds of these extravagant gifts that they were given by the Magi. There's no indication that Joseph was wealthy when they returned back to Nazareth. In fact, the opposite appears to be true. He's a peasant carpenter. It would appear as we look at this story and we examine it closely that the wealthy gifts from the Magi, strangers, was God's provision for them during this time of crises. There are three brief observations that I'd like to draw from our scripture today as we, we wrap up our Advent preaching series. The first is grace. God in his great mercy and grace has invited us into his story to experience his grace in our lives. It's a privilege for us to be invited into God's story. We, the truth is, we, we know we have not earned the right to be there. We did not earn our right to be there. We don't deserve to be there, but because of the love of God, we are invited into his story. And so he invites those whose hearts are tender to the things of God, to those who are drawn to the wonder of his love, those who desire to have God in their lives. And so this is why this is my, my favorite part of the Christmas narrative, because God's story includes those who are flawed, those who are broken, those who have failed, those who have been hurt, those who have hurt others, those who have made mis significant mistakes and bad choices those who've been betrayed by someone, those who have betrayed someone, those who've experienced deep loss, those who are struggling, those who are sick, those who are tired, those who are sick of being tired, those who have been rejected, those whose lives seem to lack any purpose at all, those who lack hope in their lives, those who don't know where to turn or what to do. God's story includes those who appear to not belong, yet want to belong. They, they want to belong. Those who are searching and those who are willing to respond to his invitation to come. We don't earn our way into this story 
through our years of service. We don't earn our way into this story through our increasing biblical knowledge. We don't learn or earn our way into this story by putting on a spiritual facade, and we don't earn our way into this story because of the positions that we hold. We must see our place in God's story as an act of grace. It's an act of grace because we know that outside of the grace of God, we could never be included. We could never be included. Grace. Secondly, love. The people that have we have considered it in our scripture today, I don't believe they were included as remote, disconnected details of God's story. They're just an add-on that don't really seem to fit. I believe they are specific examples of the overriding theme of God's message. They are intentionally brought in here. A desire for all of us to experience the overwhelming love of God that has come for all of us, for each of us to receive God's best gift. And God's best gift is Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. And so by including these so-called outsiders in his gospel account, Matthew has given to us, he has provided to us a real-life illustration of the love of God for all people. Now, it's true that even though our culture often appears to be going in the wrong direction, the truth is people are spiritually open and people are searching and many are on a spiritual journey and are passionately pursuing things to satisfy their spiritual hunger. And in many ways, they're like the Magi. Unlikely candidates to be searching, but they are desperate for answers. And so as followers of Jesus, we must ensure, it is imperative for us to ensure that we extend God's love to all who are searching. All who are searching so that they, like us, just like us, can experience the overwhelming and inclusive love of God. And the third thing I want to see draw attention to this morning as we conclude is endurance. The truth is, there are many, there are many who are suffering for a variety of reasons during this Christmas season. And some of you here and some of you from elsewhere watching could be among them, struggling, suffering this Christmas season. There are people around the world during this Christmas season that are experiencing extreme circumstances. They're experiencing persecution. They're living through ethnic cleansing. They're living through terror attacks and war and refugee camps and hunger. And so how are we to respond to that? 
I believe there are two ways to respond to these difficulties that become such an elevated and important reminder in the Christmas season, and both of them are tied to endurance. First, we learn from Mary and Joseph, who, by the way, had every reason to throw their hands up in the air and say, like, I just quit. Like, this is, this has not been an easy story. Like, this, this started off difficult, and it just keeps getting difficult, and there just doesn't seem to be, you know, at some point, there's got to be that we all live happily ever after part of this story, but it, it's not happening for them. And so we, we learn from them who had every right to throw their hands in despair and say, I, I just give up. I can't do this anymore. We learn from them to keep going. You keep going. To not allow the painful circumstances or the inconveniences of this life to, keeping us, to keep us from doing what it is we need to do. We learn from them to keep going. Their circumstances were not things that they created because they weren't obedient or they, they, they messed up. Their circumstances were not their own doing. It was the result of the actions of others, the decisions of others, the behavior of others, the actions of others had impressed on their lives and they were struggling and they were suffering because of the decisions and actions of other people. They trusted God, though, and they kept going. And so, simply, we learned from that this morning that when we are struggling in our own lives or when we see the struggle around the world, and much of what we're experiencing is it's not a result of, sometimes it is, you know, we messed up and these are the consequences, but a lot of times it isn't. It's beyond our control. It's, it's happened to us, but we need to trust God and we just keep going. Somehow we have to find a way to keep going, like Mary and Joseph did. Endurance. Being faithful every step along the way, because God is leading them. Secondly, we need to do whatever we can to minister and to help others to endure. We're reminded this morning that it was strangers, strangers, that provided a place for Mary and Joseph and Jesus when they had nowhere to go. It was strangers that brought the resources that made it possible for a family to survive threatening circumstances when that family didn't have any resources of their own. And so God wants to use us, strangers, to help those who desperately need our help and our compassion. Folks, our world is counting on the generosity of strangers. If the generosity of strangers does not show up, they will not get the help that they need through the worst seasons and realities of their lives. They need the compassion, the love, the care, the hospitality of strangers. And we can be the strangers. We can be the strangers that God uses to help others endure and overcome and find hope in him. Because we've all heard and read the scriptures many times of Jesus saying to his followers, you are hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink and so on and so forth. And they said, uh, Jesus, I, I don't remember that. Um, when was that? And he said, when you do to the least of these, You've done it for me. 
you've done it for me. Sometimes I think we've forgotten what it means to be the people of God in this world. Sometimes more consumed with how to change culture and legislate and give opinion than it is to live out the practical daily ways of loving and serving others in the name of Jesus. And that's what the Christmas season calls us to. And that's what the reminder of love in Advent reminds us of. Those who are strangers, used by God to touch the lives of people and accomplish his purposes for his glory. I'm going to invite our worship team to return. As a reminder today, we must see our place in God's story as an act of grace because we know that outside of the grace of God, we would never be included. As followers of Jesus, we must ensure that we extend God's love to all who are searching so that they, like us, can experience the overwhelming and inclusive love of God. And our world is counting on the generosity of strangers to help them through the worst season of their lives. And we can be the strangers that God uses. The love and grace of God is so inclusive that those who are deemed to be unworthy recipients are embraced and invited into his story. Aren't you glad that's true this morning? Aren't you glad? Would you stand with me? I've asked Tyler to lead us in a very specific song this morning. It's a Christmas song that highlights what we've talked about. You may know it, you may not, but I invite you to sing along with it if you do and learn it if you don't. As Tyler leads us this morning before we pray. Thank you.
save, born to raise us from the